we are given as people to see things through the lens of our experience. And so depending on our experience, we will either see things as usually better than they are, or we'll see them as worse than they are. And you might describe that as the difference between being an optimist and being a pessimist. And I don't think either is a healthy place to start from. The best place to start is to see things as they really are, not better or not worse. And once we see them as they really are, then we can imagine how we want them to be. So we see them the way we imagine them, that we want them to be, and then we make them the way we see them. So for me, beginning with the end in mind means to clearly see your situation, whatever it is, the way it really is, then to see it the way you want it to be, and then that's the end that you have in mind. Then make it the way you see it. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our co-host this evening is Randy Wilburn from BootstrapBootCamps.com. Hey, Randy. Hey, Jared. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. One of the reasons I'm doing so great is you and I are fortunate to meet our guest today at New Media Expo this past January. Ray Edwards is on the show. Ray is a highly sought-after direct response copywriter specializing in online sales copy and direct sales websites. He's written copy for hundreds of different businesses in a wide variety of industries. Ray is known for writing copy that makes websites obscenely profitable. He's the author of the books Money Words, Copywriting, and Marketing Secrets that Sell Anything to Anyone, and Writing Riches, Learn How to Boost profits, drive sales, and master your financial destiny with results-based web copy. Ray, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you. Ray, the first question we like to have everyone on the show is, what is the best concert that you have ever been to? Oh, that is, it's easy. It was a Jesus Culture concert at Bethel Church in Redding, California. Interesting. Now, was that recent, a year or so? It was about a year ago. I don't go to that many concerts but they were recording an album called Tides and we got to be there. They were doing the DVD shoot. We got to be there for the video shoot. So they had the set dressed immaculately and the lighting was just right. And it was just fantastic. Wow. Did you make a special trip for that or were you just in town for something else or? Well, we made a special trip to go down to Bethel because they had a conference going on at the church, but the concert was just a side benefit. Wow. That's pretty cool. So a little homework there for the listeners. Let's go into blank versus blank. And Randy is going to give you two options. And if you'd pick one and maybe a short reason why, go ahead, Randy. Well, Ray, the first thing would be, what do you show more, your public face versus the secret face? (laughs) I try my best to show my secret face as much as possible. But I know at least enough about myself to know that I'm not always successful at doing that. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Ray, for those who may have missed that particular post, would you be willing just to talk just for a moment about secret face? Yeah, I think we all have two faces that we wear. We have our public face and we have our secret face. And I wrote about the fact that our public face is the one that we polish up and we perfect and we craft it so that people think about us in a certain way. And that's the one that most of us over the course of our life have learned to present to the public. And then the secret face is who we really are when nobody's around, nobody's watching and We just are reacting naturally to things. And I've just been on a journey. I don't pretend to be completely there, but I've been on a journey to be who I really am because I believe that the person that you're afraid to be is the person that wears the secret face. 
That's the person that you're afraid people will reject or misunderstand or not even like. And I believe that the person that we're afraid to be is the very person that other people are praying will show up. Ray, let's do true or false. Marketing is evil. False. False. (laughs) Okay. And with that said, we'll roll into finish this sentence. We'll give you the beginning of a sentence. And if you'd be willing to complete it, the first one is if you ever need to ditch the Sony NEX7 mirrorless camera system. If you ever need to ditch the Sony NEX mirrorless camera system, make sure that you bought it through B&H Photo because they have a fantastic return policy. (laughs) Okay. Duly noted. Randy, what about the next one? Okay, Ray. In order to simplify, you must do what? Less. In order to simplify, do less. Yeah. Ray, you've been very transparent, wearing the secret face. You've recently dealt with some adversity in your life. How have you encouraged yourself through that process? Well, for those who may not know, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease a couple of years ago, and I just revealed that fact recently. And The way I encouraged myself is the way David encouraged himself. In uh, Scripture, David was at a low point in his life. Here was a guy who God had given him dreams when he was young and told him how great he was going to be. And he had all of these prophecies about what was going to happen for him and who he was. He had been anointed to be the king, and yet he was on the run. And he was really surrounded by not the cream of the crop. He was surrounded by the lowest of the low, the criminals, the outcasts. He was on the run. The king was trying to take his life. And it says in scripture that he strengthened himself in the Lord because their homes had been ravaged, their their possessions had been destroyed, their families had been taken from them, and they were questioning David. And so the only people that he could rely on, the lowest of the low, were turning against him. So what did he do? He strengthened himself in the Lord. So that's one of the foundational primary things that I've done. And you might say, well, that sounds good. How do you do that? Because that was my question. That sounds great, King David. How did you do that? And for me, the answer has been, do you do that in his presence? God is real. Jesus is alive. I know we say it as believers and we believe it, but I mean, do we really believe it? Do we really believe what we say we believe is really real? And being in his presence, being aware of him, being in the room and inside of us is crucial to strengthening ourselves in his presence. And I do that. One of the primary ways I do that is through meeting with him in his word. There's a reason that he had it written down. I think it was one reason was he knew we would be stranded on these islands and we would need encouragement. And so I go to the word looking for what he has to say to me today. That's major. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. There is an axiom that says, begin with the end in mind, Ray. What does that exactly mean to you and how have you applied it to your business? Well, we are given as people to see things through the lens of our experience. And so depending on our experience, we will either see things as usually better than they are, or we'll see them as worse than they are. And you might describe that as the difference between being an optimist and being a pessimist. And I don't think either is a healthy place to start from. The best place to start is to see things as they really are, not better or not worse. And once we see them as they really are, then we can imagine how we want them to be. So we see them the way we imagine them, that we want them to be, and then we make them the way we see them. So for me, beginning with the end in mind means to clearly see your situation, whatever it is, the way it really is, then to see it the way you want it to be, and then that's the end that you have in mind. Then make it the way you see it. Wow. That gives you the laser-like focus to achieve that objective, I guess. 
when you're able to pull that off, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ray, we have a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are new to the game, that are interested in maybe starting an online business. So what copywriting advice would you give to an online business just starting out? The most important thing to know about copywriting, first of all, is that it is not the protection of intellectual property. I've had a few encounters lately where people say, so you're a copywriter. Yes. Well, great. I've been trying to figure out how to register my book so people won't rip it off. And I have to explain, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're Copywriting is salesmanship, how to write persuasively to sell your products or services or ideas. And the most important thing that I can share with you about that is you have to understand and speak to the mindset of the person you're trying to persuade. Tony Robbins says, the fastest, easiest way to persuade someone is with what's already persuading them. And Robert Collier, the great copywriter, said that to persuade someone, you have to enter the conversation that is already taking place in that person's mind. And that's happened to all of us. It happens whenever you read something and you find yourself nodding your head and even maybe saying out loud, that's exactly how I feel. Just nobody's ever put it into words. That's when you've entered that conversation. It's already in the person's mind. When you can meet them at that place, people will be open to your message and to the request that you're going to make of them to buy a product or a service or an idea. And your mind, is that place person's pain point, Ray? Well, usually, not always. I used to say yes, always, but it's not always true because there are two primary motivators that cause us to do things. It's either because we're hurting and we want relief from the hurt, or it's because we're moving away from the pain, in other words, or we're moving toward feeling good, feeling pleasurable. And I don't know whether it's fortunate or unfortunate. It's just a fact that I've observed is that most people are more motivated by their pain than they are by the promise of pleasure. And even some people say, well, that's not true because look at, you know, people who are drink a lot or people who are promiscuous, they're just chasing after pleasure. Not really. They're really trying to get themselves out of some kind of pain. So people are usually more motivated by that. So if you can figure out what I tell my students, understand your prospects or readers' fears, frustrations, and anxieties first, and then understand their aspirations and show them a way to escape their fears, frustrations, and anxieties and move closer to their aspirations, and they will do as you request. Wow. Along those same lines, for someone starting out or someone with an established business, if they just cannot afford a good copywriter, what would you say are the next best steps to ensure that their product or service offer excites the right people? Well, okay, so there's two answers that I'll give you. One is get my book, Writing Riches, which explains <laughs> how to write copy. I knew that was coming. It's a good book, and I'm not only saying that just because I wrote it, but other people tell me it's good, so it must be true. It's like eight <laughs> bucks on Amazon, so you can't go wrong. But a quick answer, if you have to write your sales copy right now and you don't have time to get and read the book, it's really a pretty simple formula. I'll just give you a few points. You could even write these down as headings on your copy. Here's who I am and what I have to offer you. So that's section one. I'm Ray Edwards, and what I have to offer you is I'll show you how you can write persuasively so that more people will buy your products, services, and or ideas. So the next section is, and here's why that's important for you. And so the reason it's important for you in my example would be because if you don't learn how to persuasively communicate why people should buy your products, services, and ideas, you'll not make any money. You'll be broke. Your business will fail. So it's important for you to learn how to communicate 
powerfully and persuasively. And then the third section would be, here are some questions that you probably have. And I usually think of this as a frequently asked questions segment of my copy. And a good way to start it off and feel free to use the language I'm about to share with you and just use it verbatim. You can say, if we were sitting across the table from one another in a coffee shop, you'd probably have some questions that you would want to ask me and I would answer them. But we're not in that scenario. So the best I can do is answer the questions that I most frequently am asked. And here they are. And then you just do Q&A. And my advice when writing copy is ask yourself in your copy the most embarrassing, most difficult questions that anybody could ask you before they bought from you. Because those are the questions that are really plaguing your pre-buyers. One thing we know when people are reading your copy, and most people don't realize this, but they're hoping that you are telling them the truth. They're hoping that you have the answer to their problem. They're just waiting for you to prove it to them. Otherwise, they wouldn't even be reading it to start with. So they may act as though they're skeptical, but skepticism is a disguise for fear. And so you've got to alleviate their fear. And then the fourth part of the equation is, here's what to do next. So after you've answered their questions, you just say, well, here's what to do next. Click that big button that says add to cart and fill in your information and you'll be able to download your ebook or we'll send you your product or we'll schedule your consultation or whatever it is in the next two minutes. So the outline again is, Here's who I am and what I have to offer you. Here's why that's important for you. Here are some questions you probably have. And here's what to do next. And if you can achieve those four segments in your copy, just use that as an outline, your ad or your copy will be better than probably 80% of the copy that I see on a day-to-day basis because most people don't even have that framework to follow. And there are more complex ways to break it down, and you can certainly get more sophisticated about it. But that's the quickest and simplest way. If somebody told me, I've got to write an ad in the next 20 minutes, how do I do it? That's what I would tell them. Wow, that's amazing. Hey, Randy and I really appreciate your transparency about your faith on your podcast and just in general online, how do you determine to share your faith with your audience without worrying about alienating someone who doesn't have the same faith as you? Well, I just don't worry about that. Okay. (laughs) I I, I know that sounds flippant. I've been told that one of my spiritual gifts is the gift of flippancy. (laughs) I did worry about it a lot. And I, uh, in fact, went to, as you know, this story, Jared, and you too, Randy, I went to ministry school for a year. My wife and I went together And when we started that school, I shut my business down to a part-time basis, and I figured that by the time I was finished, I would just close the business and become a pastor. And during that year, God really spoke to me and said, "I, you know, I've got plenty of pastors in pulpits. What I need is ministers in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And I want you, Ray Edwards, to sign over your name and your business and everything about yourself to me and stop making me your best kept secret. So that's what I did. And I wrote a post on my blog that is one of the most read posts that I've ever written. It was called The True Secret of Success. And it was about the fact that I attribute all the good things in my life, including all my success, to Jesus Christ. And as far as not offending people who have different beliefs, I don't think it's possible to not offend people. I mean, Jesus offended plenty of people. Absolutely. So my goal is not to be inoffensive. But... I also don't have a goal to offend people. I don't want to be obnoxious 
and insulting and misrepresent the character of the God that I serve. So my approach is, I think, the same as his, which is this. Look, this is the truth, and this is how I live my life according to the truth. And I'm not telling you that you have to do that because, you know what? God doesn't tell you you have to. He gives you the freedom to choose. I'm certainly not going to restrict your freedom more than he does. So you're free to believe it or not believe it. But this is who I am, and uh, this is what you get when you get me. Right. Wow. So I guess it's safe to say then that I know you recently did a poll or a survey of your listeners and readers, and you realized that there were a lot of things that you were doing with regard to your faith that you were kind of keeping close to the vest and your belief system. And so it sounds like based on listening to what you've said now and what we've heard from your podcast, that you're kind of letting it all hang out now and that you're letting it seep into every area of business that you operate in. Well, that's absolutely true. And I guess I should clarify the poll, the survey that I did was not really to determine whether I should do that or not. I was really already doing that. But I wanted to know, so who is my audience now? You know, I probably, if I'd been more scientific about this before I made my big announcement, as it were, what I call my coming out post way back February of 2011. And so since that time, I have, as you put it, let it all hang out. But I probably should have taken a poll then and surveyed the audience and seen what the makeup was. But I recently did a survey and found that I think it was over 96% of the people who read my blog or listen to my podcast are believers in Christ. That doesn't mean everybody is. I've got a fair share of atheists and Muslims and Buddhists and lots of New Age people. And even just saying you're a Christian or a follower of Christ you got to ask some follow-up questions because that means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. There are very different belief systems that masquerade under the same name. You know, it's all about that wearing the secret face all the time, being who you really are. I just am who I really am, and I don't try to convince anybody of anything. I just share with them what my experience of the presence of Jesus has been in my life. And, you know, it's up to the Holy Spirit to do the rest of the work. Ray, what advice would you give to someone starting out that's trying to capture the attention of everyone or everything? Stop that. Mm -hmm. Um, When you try to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one. We, Seth Godin wrote a little book called Tribes, which I highly recommend. And my probably terrible summary of that book is be as specifically you as you possibly can. And the people who've been waiting for you to show up will gather around you. And that's your audience. That's your tribe. So, you know, me, I'm a crazy, charismatic Christian business person who believes in prosperity for everybody. Believe me, that attracts a very narrow band of people. A very (laughs) specific group of people are attracted to that kind of talk. And, you know, for those people, I'm the guy that they're like, wow, where were you? For other people, they have run as far away from me as possible. And that kind of polarization is really what you seek. I mean, think about the most successful people In the world of talk radio, for instance, Rush Limbaugh, there's no vagueness about who he is or what he stands for. (laughs) And you either love him or hate him. A friend of mine says, love me or hate me, but there's no money in the middle. Wow. Well, Ray, you know, switching gears just a little bit before we close out, I've heard you talk about a lot of the events that you go to, and there's a lot of great events out there. What are some of your favorites? Well, my favorite event this year has been uh, the platform event. And it's not only because I was speaking there, but that's Michael Hyatt's event mm-hmm. that he um, puts on with Ken Davis. And 
I just so enjoy the quality of the speakers, the content. That was an event that I went to that I spent as much time in the room as any of the attendees, or maybe more, taking notes and learning from the people who were teaching in the workshop or in the conference. I mentioned Bethel Church in Redding, California. There's an event there that they have twice a year called the Leaders Advance, which is, it's more of a church kind of event, but you asked me what my favorite events were and you didn't put any qualifiers on it. So there you go. That's right. I've Um, heard of that event. That is an event that if you are trying to figure out how to live out the reality of the kingdom in your daily life, then probably any event that they put on there, that one's invitation only, but it's not really super difficult to get an invitation. That's a good one. There's another one called Heaven in Business that they put on there. I haven't physically attended it, but I've attended it virtually online, and it's a great event. It's put on by a couple named Andy and Janine Mason, and they do a fantastic job. I have an event that I believe is going to be one of my favorite events, but I haven't been to it yet, so I'm only speculating. But it's the SCORE Conference, which is happening in Orlando, Florida, and it's about how to speak more powerfully. New Media Expo definitely ranks as one of my favorite events that I've been to in a very, very long time. That was just a fantastic, broad view of the different kinds of people and the different kinds of messages that are being spread through new media, which you know would be podcasting and blogging and social media and so forth. So that was a real eye-opener for me. But the events that I normally have attended in the past have been a little more narrowly focused. And so that was a refreshing look at a world that I thought I knew a lot about. And I was humbled by the time I left there. I was like, well, geez, I don't know that I know as much as I thought I knew. But you made some friends, so that's important. <laughs> I did. I did. You too, for instance. Ray, you also organize your own events. What's the key to hosting a successful event? First, you have to be insane. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And the key really is being committed to the benefit of the people who are going to attend, because that is the only thing that will sustain a successful event is having that commitment to making sure that people are getting not just their money's worth, because people invest money in a ticket and an airline fare and hotel and so forth, but they're also taking their precious time away from their family and their business. And so that's key number one is the commitment to the people. The second key would be figure out exactly how long it's going to take you to prepare for the event and to fill all the seats for the event. And then when you figure out how much time that's going to take, double it. Then once you know that, so like you might think it's going to take you three months to get ready and to fill all the seats. So now you double it and you make it six months. And once you've done that, take a deep breath and then triple it and figure, okay, I need nine months to prepare for this. And that's your starting point because it takes longer than you think to get everything done. And it takes more effort than you think to fill those seats. Everybody thinks they're going to have hundreds of people show up for their event And I've seen too many people struggle trying to fill the chairs just to make ends meet. And then the third key is get lots of help. Even if you can't afford to pay for it, I have discovered that it's pretty simple to just say to people, hey, would you help me with this event? Is there some way that you could help me? And oftentimes you'll have people volunteer because people want to be part of something like that. So getting help is important. And just because you don't necessarily have the budget to spend on hiring staff doesn't mean you can't get help. Well, Ray, you've really given us a lot today. Just to kind of wrap up, one of the last questions I had for you is, is who is doing something that really interests you right now? Who is doing something that really interests me right now? 
probably the thing that has my interest the most these days is social media marketing world. And I had an opportunity to interview Michael Stelzner not long ago. And his approach to how he has built Social Media Examiner, the event that is Social Media Marketing World, is astonishing to me. Because as much as I thought that I believed in giving away your best content, I wasn't even coming close to what Mike does. And so it was just really interesting to have that conversation with him. And of course, I read his book, which if you haven't read his book called Launch, that is required reading for anybody who asks me, well, what should I be reading about starting an online business or any business, really? I would recommend that book because his basic philosophy is a kingdom philosophy of freely you have received, freely give, and you will be rewarded in the end. But it's hard to describe. It's not even the reason he does it. You might be skeptical about that when I say it, but I tell you, if you spend five minutes talking to Michael Stelzner, you realize he's not giving all that he gives just so that he can make some money. But when it comes time for him to invite you to social media marketing world, he's given you so much through social media examiner that people just pull out their checkbook or their credit card and they're going to the event. You know, it's thousands of people show up. And so I'm really fascinated by what he's doing. And I'm excited to go to that event and meet some new friends reconnect with some other friends that I've known for a while, some for a long time, some for a short time, but I'm really interested in what he's doing. Ray, we appreciate your time. What's the best place for the listeners to stay connected with everything you're doing online? RayEdwards.com. RayEdwards.com. And then as we close out, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? That's always an ominous question. (laughs) I would just say that I once again have renewed my commitment to being a lifelong learner. And I've just been reminded time and time again that every time I think I have everything figured out, I realize that I'm only beginning to understand. Whether it's in business or in relationships or in my walk with God or my understanding of Scripture, Bill Johnson says, the moment you decide that you know everything, that's where you've chosen to level off. And so my commitment is... I don't want to level off. As long as I'm on planet Earth, I want to be growing and learning. And I would encourage everybody to follow that same path, wherever that path may lead you. It may not be in the world of business, but probably it has something to do with that if you're listening to this show. Ray, thank you again. Thank you. It's an honor (laughs) to be here. Yeah, this was great, Ray. Thank you so much. Be as specifically you as you possibly can, and the people who've been waiting for you to show up will gather around you. And that's your audience. That's your tribe. So, you know, me, I'm a crazy, charismatic, Christian business person who believes in prosperity for everybody. Believe me, that attracts a very narrow band of people. A very (laughs) specific group of people are attracted to that kind of talk.